Amen. Good morning to Southcrest. How are we doing? You guys good? Welcome to Easter Sunday at Southcrest. We're so glad you're here. We want to welcome our LaGrange campus. Uh, we are live between two cities. Uh, we've got a campus down in LaGrange. Those are our people. We love you guys. Uh, to everybody watching online, welcome as well. Excuse me. <laughs> welcome as well. We are here to celebrate the greatest ex- historical and spiritual event of all of history. That's the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the one true living God. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He's the Alpha and the Omega. There's no other reason why that we would even be gathered here today outside of celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And I'm so excited to be standing in front of you this morning. You see, without the cross of Christ and without Jesus raising from the dead, Easter would be absolutely meaningless. Today would be a waste, right? Uh, Today would be just another holiday for some bunny rabbits jumping around. And maybe the best redeeming factor of Easter would be the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup Easter egg. Anybody in here say yeah to that, right? It's true though, man. Them things things are amazing. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, If Jesus never rose from the dead, he would have simply only been a good person. He would only have been a good philosopher. Uh, Ultimately, he would only have been a a liar, and as C.S. Lewis puts it, a a lunatic. Quite a crazy person. If he didn't come back from the dead, Christianity itself would be completely meaningless. And I want you to think in your mind for just a moment, what would the earth, what would life be like, what would history be like without Jesus coming back from the dead? We would have no churches, we would have no faith in Christ, completely a lie. It would be false. You see, the resurrection is so important that Christianity itself actually hinges upon this event. You see, the Old Testament has prophecies that, that, that speaks to uh, the cross of Christ and him dying and then later being resurrected. Jesus Christ himself, from his very lips, said, I'm going to raise from the dead. I'm going to come back alive. So if this didn't happen, this would be worthless. This would be absolutely worthless. Paul even makes this point in 1 Corinthians 15. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me. 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to look at a couple of scriptures. We're going to bounce around for a moment, but ultimately we're going to land in John 20. And uh, I'm very excited about this message. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 13. He makes this same very point. He said, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ had been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Absolutely useless. So today I want to pose this question to you, and at some point in your life, you are going to have to answer it. You cannot avoid this question. And my hope is that by the end of this message, you would choose to answer this question. And that question is very, very simple. It's three words. Do you believe? Do you believe? You see, your, your belief and your faith in the resurrection of Jesus affects and determines everything about your life here on this earth and everything about your life uh, in eternity, where you're going to spend eternity. That question, how you answer it, truly determines everything about your life here and beyond. 
You see, we live in a world today where everybody has an opinion, right? There's thousands of religions. There are blogs. There are YouTube videos. There are podcasts. Everybody has their idea who God is, how we get to him, how we should worship him. And very often, we take those opinions and we just adopt them ourselves without coming to a decision ourselves on what we believe. Do you believe Do you believe that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth? Do you believe that God created man and woman in his image? Do you believe that he stepped back from his creation and said, man, this is good? Do you believe that man sinned and caused a great separation between God and all of humanity? Do you believe that God saw that and the only way to correct this was to send his son to the earth through a virgin birth as a baby and while he was here on earth he was both fully God and fully man? Do you believe that? Do you believe that later Jesus goes to the cross and he dies and takes the penalty of sin onto himself, taking your place on the cross? Do you believe that? And do you believe that Jesus was buried and in three days He rose from the dead. Do you believe that? You see, the word belief and faith, they're very similar. And the Greek and the Hebrew, it's apistos or pisteo, which basically means to put your trust in, to put your faith in. Do you believe? Do you trust Jesus? Do you trust what God's word says is true? John eleven twenty five. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to John eleven twenty five, uh, Jesus is hanging out with some friends of his. This is the account of Lazarus, right? Jesus's friend died, and uh, he shows up on the scene. He shows up late, right? Uh, I believe it was on purpose, right? He shows up late. He, he gets there. It doesn't matter how many days he's late. He's gonna, you know, raise Lazarus from the dead. So he shows up. He's hanging out with Lazarus's sisters, and he comes to comfort them. And he poses this statement to Martha, starting in verse 25. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. See, he's talking about a physical death here. Verse 26, and whoever lives by believing uh, in me will never die. He's talking about the spiritual life. And then he himself poses the same question I'm posing to you. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Everybody on earth has to answer this question, right? Billions and billions of people are going, uh, they have, you have to answer this question either yes or no. There is no maybe, there is no in between. It's a yes or it's a no. You see, there, there are so many things that, that war against our faith and our belief in Jesus, right? There are things that, that pull at our attention all the time, you know, enemies of belief. And I kind of want to rattle off just a few. Uh, and maybe you fit in this category. Maybe you have yet to answer this question, do you believe? And maybe you fit in, in one or two of these categories. I believe the enemies of belief, number one, is our own logic, our own reasoning, right? It's sometimes difficult to take this as real, right? Miracles, Jesus coming back from the dead, that, that just doesn't, one plus one doesn't equal two in God's economy. For some of us, we struggle with that, right? We struggle with that idea. 
Maybe it's fear and worry. Maybe fear of your current life and worry about your current life holds you back and you keep Jesus at arm's length and you say, uh, I don't know, I've got I to gotta protect myself. I've got to take care of myself. Maybe it's control. You know, this whole Jesus idea says to deny yourself and take up your cross daily. No, I want to be in control of my life. Maybe you deal with control issues. Or maybe you doubt. Maybe you're just like, man, I I just, I don't know. It's really hard for me to fully buy into this. At some point in your life, here's here's the reality. You're going to have to lay all that aside. You're going to have to set your logic aside and your fears and your worry and your doubt and all the stuff that that are hindering you from believing, and you're going to have to answer that question. You're just going to have to answer it. You're going to have to have faith. You're going to have to have faith. Uh, Thomas Jefferson was uh, an incredible man. Uh, All of us probably learned about him in uh, school. I bet my 10-year-old could stand up here and rattle off more about uh, him than I probably could. It's amazing what they're teaching kids in school these days. But we we know his story from from school. He's a, a founding father. He's a principal author of the Declaration of Independence. Honestly, we wouldn't be probably sitting here if it wasn't for men like Thomas Jefferson. He was the third president of the United States. He organized the Louisiana Purchase. He mastered mathematics and um, horticulture and um, surveying and mechanics and all this stuff. Just an amazing man. Very accomplished. He later learned the violin. Um, and then he also became a lawyer later in life. It's like he couldn't stop doing amazing things, right? He was a big proponent in slavery reform. He had this idea of personal liberty. He believed that you had a right to yourself. He also was a big proponent of religious freedom. And uh, we're able to worship because a lot of the work that he did all those years ago. And a little backstory on Thomas Jefferson is this. At a very young age, he was baptized. He was a part of the Episcopal Church, and he was a Christian Later on in life, as he grew up, he began reading the New Testament. And when he read the New Testament, he abandoned Christianity. He walked away from Christianity once he read the New Testament. You see, Thomas Jefferson, he believed in the creator God. He believed that the sum of all of religion is to love God and love your neighbor, right? The two greatest commandments. He believed that. He loved the ideals and the teachings of Jesus, right? Turn the other cheek. All all the amazing stories and all the amazing teachings of Jesus. But for Thomas Jefferson, that's where it stopped for him. In 1803, he wrote his own Bible. That's what I hold in front of you today. You can buy this off of Amazon. This is the Jefferson Bible. And uh, in 1803, he pulled scriptures and stuff that he liked out of God's word. And he put it together for his own book. And it literally says right here in the leaf, it says, Jefferson purposefully omitted any reference to the virgin birth, miraculous healings, demonic possession, or or supernatural events of any kind. His aim was to distinguish the moral philosophy of Christ from the religion that was later created around Christ. Thomas Jefferson missed it. He struggled to have faith, and I find it so ironic and so interesting if you turn it to the back of the very last page of his Bible, the very last page right here, here's how he ends his Bible. 
Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein never a man yet laid. There they laid Jesus, rolled the great stone in the door of the sepulcher, and departed. The end. You see, Thomas Jefferson, from what we know and what we can read, um, he failed to believe in the essential parts of Christianity. He failed to have faith in God and in Jesus. You see, it's as if he had a relationship with the ideals of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, but not the person of Jesus himself. And unfortunately, when we only have a relationship with the ideals and the teachings of someone, it's, it's no different than having a relationship with Buddha or Plato or Socrates or any other great philosopher. Those types of relationships end when we die. Those types of relationships are done when we pass away. But if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus, and you believe in his resurrection, that relationship never ends. Do you believe? Do you believe? We're going to be in John 20, verse 24. I'll give you a second to turn there. John 20, verse 24. This is the account, I love verse uh, John 20, this is the empty tomb account. Um, you know, Mary shows up to the tomb, uh, she sees the stone rolled away, the body's gone, she freaks out, uh, she's like, where, where is he who stole the body of Jesus? So she goes and gets the disciples and says, Jesus' body's gone, and so the disciples run and, and they see it's empty, and they're like, yeah, it's gone. So they leave, Mary hangs out, she's crying, and these angels appear and say, why are you crying? And then Jesus said, who are you looking for? Why are you crying? Who, what are you doing here? Mary was like, I guess you're the gardener. What did you do with the body? I, I want to go, go see him. E- even she and even the disciples in that moment doubted, right? That's interesting, right? And it wasn't until Jesus said her name, Mary. I love that. He called her by her name. She recognized him and goes and tells the disciples and Oh my gosh, you know, I saw him. And then the disciples are afraid. They're, they're in a room. They lock, got the doors locked. And Jesus literally appears in the middle of them. I think he probably just walked through the wall. How cool was that, man? He just shows up. He's like, hey, peace, peace be with you, you know? And uh, the disciples, they were blown away, man. They're just like, this is unbelievable. And in that moment for those disciples, it was real. Their faith was real. They saw him. We pick up in verse 24. This is um, the account of Thomas. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. He walked through the walls again. He got to do it again. I mean, that's just cool. Peace be with you, he says. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord, 
my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's kind of what I want to focus on for these next few moments, is this idea of believing without seeing. Jesus, I believe in that moment, he, he recognized that he wasn't going to be able to provide this tangible evidence anymore. Right? He was about to ascend to the Father uh, permanently until he, obviously, the second coming. And he recognized that anybody that was going to believe in Jesus was going to have to do it sight unseen. He wasn't going to be able to stand in front of us anymore. And he pronounces this blessing upon those people and says, blessed are you because you believe without seeing. You see, this isn't just another beatitude of happy are. Jesus is actually pronouncing acceptance over the people that believe. He's saying, you are a part of the family. You're one of us. You are accepted and blessed are you if you believe without seeing. You see, this verse is both a striking challenge and a powerful promise of divine blessing upon all of the believers who wait for the coming end of the world so that they could see firsthand the unseen reality of our risen Lord. St. Augustine says it like this, faith is believing what you do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what you believe. What you believe. Do you believe today? Do you believe? I love this verse too for this fact is that a relationship with Jesus is not limited to his disciples or his immediate followers that could see him. This verse right here says, blessed are you that, do not, that, that believe and do not see. He's giving the opportunity of a relationship to everybody, to anybody that comes after him. You can believe and have a relationship with Jesus. So I want to walk through this just for a few moments. What do we base our faith in Jesus on? What do we base our faith in Jesus on? Well, there there are multiple things, but I I wanted to point out two really quickly, and that's, number one, we base our faith in Jesus upon the testimony of the eyewitnesses. We base our faith upon the testimony of the eyewitnesses. Romans 10, 17, very familiar verse says, faith, belief, right? Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Jesus. Christ. What is this word about Christ? What is this message? It's the gospels of Jesus Christ. It's Matthew, it's Mark, it's Luke, John. It's the people that walked with Jesus. It's, it's the accounts of the people that saw him. That's what we base our faith upon. Let me ask you this question. How do you credit something that you weren't there to see? How do you credit something that you weren't there to see? Nowadays, we got YouTube, right? Any concert you want to watch, Man, there's, there's your proof it happened, right? Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock playing Star Spangled Banner. You know, that we can watch and believe it happened because we can see it, right? But how do we credit something that wasn't, that you weren't there, that we didn't have video recordings? How, how do we believe Thomas Jefferson was a real person? Alexander the Great. It's all based on eyewitness accounts and the documentation of those things. And we have very credible sources here. Even secular scholars hold this as very reputable um, um, documents. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's true. 
I find it awesome that John even, I'm sorry, Jesus prays for us in John 17. He's even thinking about us sitting in this room right now. John 17, if you want to turn with me there really briefly. John 17 is his account where he's praying for his disciples. And then he goes in and he prays for all believers. This is so cool because he goes on to say is, in verse 20, it says, My prayer is not for them alone. Talking about the disciples. He's not praying just for his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. He knew there would become a time where you and I would just have to believe on the witnesses, on the eyewitness accounts and through the message of these writers in God's word. He knew it would come and he prayed for us. So we have the, the eyewitness accounts, and there's so much there. Man, there's great uh, apologists, man, Lee Strobel and, um, you know, McDowell and, and all these people um, that, that can walk you through it. I really encourage you to go look at some of their work, and it's amazing. Uh, it just is a faith booster to understand how credible these eyewitnesses are. Number two, it's personal experience. You see, once you accept, once you say yes to believing in Jesus, the Holy Spirit fills you, and you have your own personal experience. God reveals himself to you. You see miracles of your own. He speaks to you. Personal experiences is what we base our faith in Jesus upon. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's a promise there that if we go after Jesus, we'll find him. We'll find him. Personal experience. Do you believe? That's my question for you today. Do you believe? So what is this blessing of believing without seeing? What is Jesus talking about in this moment? So if you believe, if your answer to that question here in just a moment when we close this service, if it's yes, here's the blessing. Number one, you get eternal life. Romans 10, 9, and 10, very familiar. I I reference it constantly. It's the, the foundation of Christianity. If you believe with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You gotta believe in your heart. You gotta believe that this resurrection is true and it's real. And if you don't believe, if you say no, what you're saying is the opposite. But if you believe in the resurrection, you confess it with your mouth, you'll be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess and are saved. If you say yes to I believe get eternal life. When you pass away here, you go on into heaven. Number two is you'll you'll get to experience life to its fullest here on earth. We know in John 10, 10, it says, Jesus is saying, I've come that they may have life and life to the fullest. You'll get to experience life here on earth in an incredible way, in a new perspective, in a new way. No, not all of your problems are going to go away, but Jesus is going to walk with you right through them. You'll get to experience life to its fullest. Number three is you'll get to experience inexpressible joy. First Peter 1, 8 through 9 says this, Though you have not seen him, talking about Jesus, you love him. 
And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. You see, because it's true that Jesus died on the cross, and because it's true that he rose from the dead, he is everything that he claimed to be, so therefore he is worthy of our trust, he's worthy of our belief, he's worthy of our, our faith, and he is worthy to be worshipped. Would you bow your heads with me as we close here for just a moment? I don't want to rush this moment. I just kind of want to take just a minute. And, you know, at the beginning of this service and all all through, I I, I posed this question to you. Do you believe? And like I said, at some point in your life, you're going to have to answer this question. And my hope is that you would do it right here in this moment right now. And so I really want to encourage you. I really want to push you to an answer. So I, I want to count, I'm going to count to three. And at the end of that count, I want you to, in your mind, answer that either yes or no. Okay? Yes or no. On the count of three. One, two, three. Do you believe? Do you believe? Yes or no? beautiful thing about Jesus and what he offers this blessing he doesn't care how many times you've sinned he doesn't care how bad you've blown it he doesn't care what family you were raised in he doesn't care about your past and he's got your future as well it does not matter he's not asking for you to clean yourself up He's not asking you to be anything that you're not right here in this moment. He's asking you for two things, to believe in him and to confess it with your mouth. He took the weight of sin upon himself for you. He already knows, he knows exactly what you've done in your past. He knows everything that you're going to do in your future. And it's, he still went to the cross. There's nothing you can do to change that. The grave could not hold his love for you. Do you believe? You see, if that answer is yes, that's the most incredible thing ever. Now, again, according to Romans 10, all you have to do is now confess that Jesus is Lord. So all you have to do is say a prayer, something simple like this. God, I'm a sinner. God, would you come into my life and would you change me? I confess that you are Lord. God, would you wash me white as snow? God, be my Lord, and thank you for being my Savior. God, I choose to turn from sin and to live for you each and every day.